episode, I really feel like we need to create a drinking game for this episode. <gasps> yes. Where bingo card, because I, I also think that like every time we say like global cabal, like that, it's like drink, take a drink. Dangerous game. But, but it all comes back. It all comes back to the global yeah. cabal. So take a drink. Welcome to Holy Ghosting, a podcast about deconstruction with your middle-aged mom friends. I am Lindsay, and I once believed that the Loch Ness Monster was the Leviathan. And I'm Meg, and the conspiracy theory that I believed in my whole life was the Bible. I'm Sarai, and my favorite conspiracy theory is the one I made up and have mentioned many times on this podcast, which is that the Apostle Paul was always in cahoots with the Roman government. <clears throat> and hence, I hate everything he ever said. And uh, I am Sinane, and um, the conspiracy theory that I believed was that uh, Beyonce Knowles was possessed by a demon named Sasha Fierce. Um, Damn! <laughs> wow! Fresh because off Beyonce, secu- Lindsay. I can attest, uh, I saw her this week. Oh, and- I saw that you saw her this week, and I was very jealous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the Illuminati stuff, it's, she's, I saw some demons, there's flames coming out of the stage <sighs> at a certain point, so, yeah. Satan sure. is her stage manager. Yeah, yeah. Do you think she believes that Satan buried bones to trick us all into believing in evolution? Yeah. Yeah, probably, I'm sure. I have a cousin who um, stopped listening to Beyonce at some point because um, of her racism against white people. So, okay. Uh, Lindsay's cousin. <laughs> Stop it. Calm down. Lindsay's cousin. Okay. Don't. No. We don't. Also, reverse racism is not a thing. Not a thing, guys. (laughs) Spoiler. Not a thing. So cute. Oh, my gosh. Well, today on the pod, we are so excited to welcome Sinane Shea to the Holy Ghosting podcast, where we get to talk about taking off that tinfoil hat. Today, we're talking about conspiracy theories. And if you want to hear more from her, please go to her website. It's takingoffthetinfoilhat.com and you can follow her deep dive into the crackpot conspiracies and see how quirky internet trends led to her dismantling of evangelicalism, patriotism, and her entire worldview. So let's get into it. I'm very excited. (laughs) We're going to talk about weird shit today, right? Like, it's very weird. My my brain is full of unpleasant things and they are at your disposal. So... (laughs) I feel like that was kind of my entire childhood upbringing was like my brain was filled with weird conspiracies that were like told to me as truth, 100% truth. Mm -hmm. I I didn't know any different. So I totally get this draw to and like need to kind of have answers for things in like supernatural ways because without that blind faith, like do we really – have anything to believe in anymore i don't know yeah the internet and covid was a really interesting time for conspiracy theories like for instance personally for me it was a time where i watched my family members who who were christian kind or past christian kind of walk this like wobbly line where they were like, I believe that COVID's a conspiracy. Oh wait, this is harming people. I should like it's it's real science and medicine. And then, oh, this is a pandemic and this video is being posted on Facebook now. And it was a really tenuous time of, of trying to like 
counter the disinformation, but without information to help it. And so many people who were in my Christian past really got sucked in to that and to QAnon without knowing anything about it. And they just believed the kind of surface level information, which was really, really harmful. Mm -hmm. And I know that you kind of were in that same you know, frame of mind during that time, like, what was it for you? Was there a moment during that, that you kind of almost went one way and went another way? Like, where did you find your path? Uh, I would say no. I was never really like teetering on the edge. Um, but in the past, I had definitely just been like normalized to a lot of stuff and like, didn't question it and like believed some like very kooky things. Um, like when I was a kid growing up, I'm from Florida, small town, Florida, um, very like white Christian nationalist background, private Christian schools, um, some Southern Baptist influence, some like non-denominational, you know, which is essentially Southern Baptist, um, and a little bit of like IBLP, um, Ooh, yeah, you guys are familiar. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my, it was a very strange situation. Cause like my family was like one foot in one foot out, um, of like, they were very much like white Christian nationalists. And I would say like almost, almost more like white nationalists than like the Christian part. Um, mm -hmm. but everyone I knew was like hardcore, more like evangelical. Um, and like all of small town, all of the girls that I knew growing up, my absolute best friend, um, we'll call her Kathy. Um, was involved in IBLP. Like they were going to the training centers uh, on the summers. And um, when I went to undergrad, Kathy went to teach English in Taiwan through an IBLP program. So mm. like, I remember seeing like Bill Gothard sermon VHS tapes and um, you know, like these were the, the moms and the parents who like didn't believe in birth control. They were the ones who were like teaching our Bible studies and like things. So there was a lot of influence, but it wasn't my personal family. So like I had a little bit of an escape. Whereas most of my friends did not. And, um, but like on the like hardcore Republican side of things, like I never met a Democrat. Democrat was like a slur. They were like the yeah. boogeyman. Um, you couldn't be a real Christian if you were a Democrat. And like my parents, I was very small when Bill Clinton was like the president. I just remember them saying that he, like, I don't remember what they said, but they hated him. And they said that he was like, he was a traitor who was like selling government secrets and things. Yes. And, um, and, and as I was, as like a six year old or however old I was, like that's very scary. You don't know what's going on. And then, um, God, for oh, when nine eleven happened, there was already so much like racism um, mm -hmm. and like just white supremacy. Not necessarily like super explicit when I was a kid, yeah. but then like nine eleven happened and the Islamophobia was just like, yeah, feral. And um, and then Obama became the president, and then. I started to see things like kind of as conspiracy theories. Like, you know, I, I was taught that like the rapture was going to happen in my mother's yeah. lifetime. And so like, yeah. yes. like be prepared. Yeah. Don't touch yourself in sexy places if you want to be ready for the rapture. So, And also yeah. if you show up and like your mom's not in the kitchen, you could have missed it. Or if you get lost in like the grocery store or the mall or something, yeah. you're just like, this is it. I've been left behind. The rapture anxiety. Yeah. Well, yeah. Apparently, like my mom 
I didn't know this until like lots of purity culture, especially with like the IBLP influence and stuff, but apparently, um, so like when I started dating my now husband, he was, um, this was in college. Like I was old, um, like almost graduated undergrad and, um, he was raised Catholic, but kind of like culturally Catholic more than like super religiously yeah. Catholic. Um, but Catholics are not real Christians. And so oh, yeah. Right. Yeah. he was not accepted into the, my family. Like my mother treated him awfully and it took oh. like many years for her to like accept that he wasn't going away. And, um, I guess like right before we got married, I was not in the room. And like, this is like one of those things where I was like, Oh shit. Like apparently she told him like, it was a totally normal, acceptable thing to say um that oh yeah well you know i had like prayed and prayed and like begged that jesus would come back um like while sanane was still a child but i guess you're like the next best option like i guess you're okay uh and it it was it wasn't as a like a dig at him it was more of a like well we had really hoped that she would die a virgin but uh <laughs> just like so normal. Pull your place in heaven, right? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> you die. It, that that was like honestly like such a, like a purity culture like mind melt. But then when Obama became president, I was a little bit older. I was like high school age into college age, and I started to see their behavior as not normal. Um, but I was not politically informed. I you know I had been raised in this evangelical bubble, so like my parent when I turned eighteen, I remember asking my mom like you know like I don't know who these candidates are. It's the first year that I can vote, but like, I don't feel informed. I don't really know what's going on. And she just told me like, Oh, don't worry about it. You don't have to, uh, your, your father and I will always tell you who the Christian candidate is. And it, it was just like very black and white. And, um, you know, they, they were like, Obama is a secret Muslim. Obama was like born in Kenya. Um, he was going to like declare himself king of the United States and refuse to relinquish power to Trump. It's funny how he's the one that they were saying that about, and yet Trump's it's, the one who actually did. Well, it's Trump's like a white guy, so it's true, and it's almost like they're always telling you their playbook when they're yeah. telling you like this person's going to do this. Then you kind of look out and see the next time they're in power what they actually do because they do this a lot, like the broadcast what the plan is by saying it's a yeah. conspiracy theory and then they'll just do it and ignore it as if it was like supposed to be like that it's so interesting every accusation is a confession um yes. i i still was not informed and i trusted my parents and yeah. my elders mm -hmm. and this society that i had been raised in so like I didn't like believe that Obama was a secret Muslim, but I didn't really understand how serious those like accusations were. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and then like Trump was the president for four years and I was, uh, you know, I was, I was an undergrad and then I had just graduated undergrad uh, when he took over and I, I did nuclear engineering in school. And so like, I kind of lived under a rock, not that that's an excuse. And then like, I was in a very difficult training program for my job for a couple years. So still kind of just stayed under that rock. When my parents started getting really fanatic about Trump, um, I started to pay a little bit more attention they were holding like a word from Florida. And so they were like attending like Trump boat parades and things. And like, they had never done anything like that before. Like they had never been that politically active, like going to rallies and things. So I was very concerned. 
And then also, I, I remember the Trump-Hillary election. I did not vote because I had the, the fear-mongering around Hillary Clinton mm. for somebody who was not informed. I was just like, yeah. well, Hillary Clinton is the Antichrist. So yeah. that's scary. Clearly, but clearly. Well, And when, they, when we were kids, it was like she stood by the other Antichrist, yeah. her husband. Yeah. Yeah. And so obviously well, she was like corrupt because of her association. And Well, and his cheating was on her. That right. Her of course. Fault. Right. <laughs> well, and she was a woman who dared to talk about public policy mm-hmm. and try to push agendas. And I, I think one thing that uh, from that election that I always remember is being really, really disappointed and uncomfortable that she ended up being the nominee because I know people literally like deeply hate her and fear her and that anyone like anyone running against her would win yeah and that's what happened she's deeply unlikable and a lot of that was because of how we were raised yeah Yeah. her hearing her back something like talking about listening to rush we had like pet ferrets when i was a kid we also lived in like i'm pastor state and i think at this time we were living in wyoming and uh, my dad always joked he was going to name our ferret Hillary because she's a weasel. Oh, <laughs> good jokes. Yep. My dad would think that's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> right? all, of my dad, all of my dad's friends. <laughs> we also had a black cat that he wanted to name Jesse Jackson at a certain point. Yeah. That's no. Not. Why is so he good. naming animals I, against his enemies? Because uh, he thought it was funny. I don't know. Your dad he did a great sense of humor. He did name a cat Bruce Springsteen at one point. Okay, that's that, fun. And he liked him, so that was a nice. I was going to say, but did he have like a blood vendetta against Bruce Springsteen? <laughs> no, no, that wasn't it. I think my mom forbid him. Like, born in the USA. Yeah, my mom Come was on. like, "Can you just name them after things you actually like?" She she didn't. <laughs> so funny. She's like, I don't want a Hillary in my home. No, yeah, it's crush that's all. Yeah. yeah. Well, mm-hmm. and and that's kind of the thing that like I have taken forward from that is I'm convinced that if you had asked any of them like why they hate Hillary, they wouldn't have a good answer. And if you had asked me like why I was scared of Hillary, I did not have an answer. I had no idea. I was just like, well, uh, you know, all these people who don't like her. So like there must be something wrong, you know? And Mm -hmm. that's like such a like group think just like cult mindset. Well, and the idea that, that someone else did the work, like your parents said really to you, like, don't worry, we'll do the work. And we'll tell you who to vote for. But in reality, they're not doing the work. Who is doing the work? They're not. Like, is anyone doing the work? Are they actually reading the measures that are coming up and understanding what people's stances are? They're listening to Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) They're hearing from their pastor. They're, you know, they're saying like Democrat, if you are a Democrat, you're not a Christian. Mm. Then there's only one other option right. in our country. So I tried to be independent, like Me when too. I first switched from Republican, yeah. thinking that like, well, I can't be a dirty Democrat. Right. I just went straight for the. It was <laughs> too long, you. but it was it was Obama. I was like, yeah, I, mm-hmm. yeah, I got it. I got it. Like when when the the conspiracy of like Obama's birth certificate was faked, I just I I had this like. That's so absurd. Like, what are you even talking How would know, he even get to, so like, the yeah. position he's... I mean, like, it's not even a possible thing in our day and age. But people are just like, oh, you can just get a piece of paper and, like, forge it. And then everyone believes it's true. It's like, that's just that's just not the world we live in. Like, we're not in the olden days anymore mm-hmm. where you can just forge a paper and everyone's like, I guess it's real. But 
why? Like, where is it coming from? Why is the disillusionment happening? What did you find out? Is this connection between conspiracies and that Christian evangelical upbringing that we all were raised in? Basically, in 2020, COVID happened. And at this point, I was still very much indoctrinated, considered myself to be a, an evangelical, a Christian, and um, didn't really question anything. I just like had not voted for Trump because he was like grabbing people by the pussy. Um, yeah. And it was a problem. yeah, it was slightly problematic. Like I couldn't wear like a short skirt in like 120 degree Florida weather, but like Trump's running around here just like doing Trump things. Um, yeah. And also using the word pussy, which I think is extra like weird for, uh, from my Christian upbringing. Yeah. Even, like, everyone was like, yeah. oh, well, yeah, like, why we don't mind? Who cares? He's just disgusted. talking, right? Right. And that's like, there's been so many great books, like, looking exactly at that about the, the, the hypocrisy. And, um, you know, he was not a Christian, is not a Christian, has never spoken the Christian language, you know, the, um, the yeah, two, Corinthians. two Corinthians. Two Corinthians was like such, like, evangelicals. Guys. <laughs> Yeah. Or wasn't it when he did that photo op right after he tear gassed a bunch of people <laughs> with like holding the Bible upside, upside down. down? Right. Yeah. yeah. Just as yeah. a prop. And somebody's like, hold this. And he's like, oh, okay. yes. Yeah. Like he's never seen a book before, let alone the Bible. Um, I just read Unholy by Sarah Posner. And she does like this really incredible job of explaining like the thing that like Trump did that he was was unique was that he connected the religious right was already fairly well formed. Like the religious right was like through the Bush administration and stuff. And like there's a, an incredible history on that, like with uh Falwell and Tim LaHaye and the Council for National Policy. And now we have like the Heritage Foundation and like all of these things. Um but what Trump did that was kind of unique was that he connected to the alt-right. Like he, the religious right was there. He brought in the alt-right and, you know, said the quiet part out loud that like all of the evangelicals had been waiting for. And, and, and it, it is literally just fascism. It's like the strong man and the um, just like saying whatever he wants to be true as if it's true and people kind of fall in line behind it. So what happened with me was... 2020 happened, COVID started. I was an essential worker, um, was still going into work and things, but I work at a military base and like they were taking it very seriously. Um, and they, you know, we were mandatory face masks and that sort of thing. Um, and it, we had people get sick at work and it was like a problem. And so I saw that it was like very much real, obviously. And uh, I, ne I never really questioned any of that, but Kathy, my best friend, she was driving to see family in North Carolina and asked if she could stay with us for a free place to stay for like a night or two. And I explained, she'd been planning this since like before the pandemic started. Um, but I was like, you can stay with us, but understand that I am still going into work. I am potentially exposed. Like you are taking some risks staying here. And normally when people come to visit, we do the whole tourist thing. Like we'll go out to restaurants and like see the sites and all this stuff, but we're not going to be able to do that because there's a panorama. And she was just like, Oh yeah, whatever. She stayed with us. And then she gets out of the car. The first thing that she says is, do I need a face mask? And I was like, yeah, um, duh. And she was like, oh, ha ha. Like this is the first time I've ever worn a face mask. And it was July and July. No. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, okay. That's weird. And at this point, 
I, I had never heard of QAnon. I didn't know that there was going to be a huge anti-vaxxer movement, like did not know what was going on. So she's like, she made this like, weird joke. I was like, that's weird. Moved on. Um, she spent the rest of the weekend making fun of us for taking COVID seriously. Um, she was like a, kind of annoyed that like we weren't going places. And, um, it, and her best friend that she had met teaching English in Taiwan was a girl who was more IBLP, like hardcore IBLP. And we, I had met her once. We both followed her on social media and on her Instagram feed, she kept posting things about how like face masks were child abuse and how like a lot of like invocations of biblical end times. She was like, these are biblical end times. Like Jesus is coming back any day. Now there's going to be a communist wave that overtakes this country. If Trump doesn't win the election again, a lot of stuff about like 5g radiation and like some stuff about like pedophilia and like very pro Trump. And like, it didn't make any sense at the time. And, um, we talked about it for a second and I was like, yo, have you seen your friend's feed? And she was, she just like, wasn't bothered. She's like, oh yeah, like I don't know. You don't believe in any conspiracy theories, and I was just like, what does that even mean? Like, like Bigfoot? Like, was there a second shooter for JFK? Like, maybe I don't, I don't know. Um, I was just like, it was just very strange. And then the next day, she leaves. She sends me a voice message that literally ruined my life. Um, yeah, super fun. Um, and because we'd been talking about conspiracy theories. She was like, I, my friend just told me this thing. I thought you'd think it was interesting. So her, my best friend from this church that she goes to in our hometown, and like, it's a small town. I know multiple people who go to this church. It's like, it's a very culty church, um, very kind of like Pentecostal. But she was like, my best friend from this church in our hometown um, just told me that when the vaccine for COVID comes out, it's going to be full of secret metal. And that the metal in your blood is then going to interact with 5G radiation in order to either control your mind and make you vote Democrat or to kill you. She wasn't sure which one. Mm-hmm. And this is a voice message. And she's just like, just FYI, casually, just I, like have, casually. I know government information. Like, where is this coming from? Well, y'all? Well, she, her friend had told her this. And I had never heard anything this insane before in my life um, at this mm. point. And I was like, oh, like, that's so funny. Like, your friend read this on the internet and she thinks that it's funny. And Kathy was like, no, she believes this. And at this point, verbatim, I was like, you need to question all of your life choices for tolerating the existence of this person, let alone being friends with them. And if anybody that you know, other than me, says the word radiation to you, you need to slap them and walk away. Like, I'm literally a nuclear engineer. And I called her friend a smooth brain. And Kathy had the audacity to be offended by that. I think her response was just like, I think that's a little harsh. And I was like, you don't get to tell me that 5G radiation is going to control my mind and expect me not to react with violence. Like we've met before. You've known me since we were 12. And like, just insane. I'm still boiling about this because it's just like, the like, how dare you? And um, I, at this point I was like, okay, something is very wrong. Mm. Kathy was my age. This is not my boomer parents or like my weird uncle or, you know, the people who've been talking about like the rapture and Obama, the Muslim king, like she was like my age and like, this is not okay. And so I started paying attention to her social media feed. She was like sharing a lot of stuff from her crazy, her crazy friends feed. Um, And I then found out like what QAnon was. Yeah. and are you guys like super familiar with that? I mean, 
I don't know. That's it. Oh, yeah. like 4chan and like yeah. all of the, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And then with the January 6th stuff, I mean, I figured out who some of the prime, you know, the guy who wore all the crazy fur or whatever, you know, like <laughs> he had a name or whatever. The like, Q shaman. Um, yes. So like just for anybody who doesn't know who's listening to this and it's like, it's like 2023. So I think everybody knows what this is, but not everybody knows it like uh, the, in as much the detail. Origins and yeah. The, yeah. QAnon. And it's really not even about QAnon, but it's like, you have to understand it to understand like, kind of like what is happening. Um, QAnon started on a website called 4chan, which is very much like Reddit, but it is less moderated. And within a Mm -hmm. month, and this was in October of 2017. um, So very early into the Trump presidency, basically. um, Within a month, it moved to 8chan. 8chan was a, an even less moderated version of 4chan. So, um, it, it was like started by this like 15 year old who was like an ultimate free speech believer. So like believed in like, you should be able to say whatever you want. So HN very quickly became the place on the internet where all of the Nazis and pedophiles hung out and um, QAnon moved to HN. It's so infuriating because I'm like a nerd, right? Like I have an engineering degree. And so like, I know all of these nerd things and it's like not that big of a deal, but um, it was like a joke on these like forum websites where they would pretend to be a government official. So there was like a CIA anon and an FBI anon. And um, it it was just like a, it was like a meme almost. It was just like kind of in the culture of like the websites. Um, And I was like loosely familiar. Like I knew these websites existed and stuff because like I I was in engineering, but um, somebody did QAnon, which is a person pretending to have a Q level government security clearance, which I think is a DOE department of energy. clearance designation which is kind of ridiculous um but it's like a top secret government uh clearance and um i work for the navy so like i'm familiar with all of this as well and um they were claiming to be like in direct connection to donald trump who was the president and that they were like leaking secret information and the the core the heart of the conspiracy theory like if you like went on to like 8chan and we're reading the q drops and like it's crazy town um was that there is a global cabal of satanic elites uh billionaires who are pulling the strings of global global governments and economies in order to drive the world towards like a one world order that they can be in charge of really taps into like evangelical end times language um and the same shit in the 90s that we grew up on like seriously one world order new world order like having one government for the world was a major thing yeah Yeah. mark of the bee yeah i mean we're not we're not (laughs) (laughs) i mean probably i don't know (laughs) if i was pre or post millennialist but you know whatever i was like i was a a mid-tripper yeah you're gonna have to you're gonna have to deal with some hard shit to really prove that you're like really you can't just have a good time is it started in 2020 Wait, what? I just I think we are in the end. So we're ready for the rain. Thank you. Thank you for indulging our fake conspiracy theory realization. I have a question. So the the main conspiracy theory that I am familiar with Mm -hmm. in all of this world was Pizzagate. So Pizzagate predates QAnon. It actually started in 2016. It was a 4chan thing. It was it was another 4chan thing. It was like um it was in 2016 the before the Hillary election. It was when they leaked Hillary's emails. So the other part of QAnon is that there's a global cabal. But the point of the cabal is they are also running these massive rings of child sex trafficking, uh, like internationally, like hundreds of thousands of children. And like and and there's lots of different versions of the conspiracies. Like some of the conspiracy thinks that they are like breeding children and like underground 
tunnels under every major city. So literally mole children. And um, they are not just like trafficking them for money or whatever, but they're doing it as part of like a satanic ritualistic sacrifice to like demon gods. And they're like, this is like so many trigger warnings. Like, I'm sorry. Um, oh, we'll yeah, put them in yeah. for all we of our listeners. But they, yes. they believe that like they're, they're satanically sacrificing these children. Like they torture the children first so that they have peak adrenaline levels and then they sacrifice them so that they can extract the oxidized adrenaline from their blood uh, called adrenochrome and adrenochrome is a it's an actual substance i'm pretty sure you can buy it on like amazon or something but in the conspiracy theory they think that this is like some sort of like anti-aging like secret magic potion and or just like a drug it's like a wicked high and um Honestly, though, it feels like there's got to be a way easier way to like get these substances to like feel be useful. Well, no, there there like, there is raising mole children and that's what I'm saying is like know, you can like, you can get adrenochrome without right. sacrificing Why a child. Um, subscribe yeah. and save yeah. because I, you know. Okay, I don't work this hard. Also, I will say I will never forget. Like, um, what is it? Uh, Reply All did a really excellent episode on Pizzagate. If, if anybody wants like a deep dive into that, I was obsessed with that episode. And shortly after that, I was um doing a bunch of event planning across the country. And so I ended up doing an event at the coffee shop next door to the pizza parlor. The pizza. Yes. Oh my God. And so, and I was like, okay, this is what, so I totally went and ate there. I was like, I gotta get pizza there, you know, and <laughs> some walnut sauce. And I, did, and I remember mm-hmm. the time thinking like, again, because this was pre 2020. So mm-hmm. I still thought this shit was fun. Right. Yes. Like right. people mm-hmm. were believing. And so I started chatting with a couple who owned the coffee shop next door and they had a, a young child who's about the age of my daughter. And I saw so at the time he was like four or something. And I was chatting with them. I was like, that's so wild that like the pizza gay place is next to you. Like, how did that go? And then just to hear like a real people, they were like, Horrible. Yeah, we ended up like harboring people because they ran into our shop to like escape the gunman who, Whoa. you know, came in and they were like, because we did that because we're next door and there was like some food storage space that they shared some food storage. Like people started thinking that like they were in on it. They started getting death threats. Yeah. People started taking pictures of their four-year-old son and posting it on the internet all because they literally so were next door and happened to let people come in and hide out from a gunman. That's when it became really real for me of like how sick people are and like how like it, it might be easy to like laugh at this stuff when we see it on there because it's so ridiculous. Yeah. Right? Like we see these and it's like, how can a, person with a fucking brain think this and believe this and so that's kind of like what we want to get into is like Mm -hmm. the why of it all like have you been able to get to like obviously we're talking about how we were raised and the messages and the rush limbaugh and all this stuff like clearly that has conditioned Mm -hmm. a lot of people but like how are people like you able to see this and be like uh yeah no hard pass and pivot and then the Cathy's of the world, like, what is it that is drawing them in? And because it seems like anyone with a rational thinking brain would know that like, this is bullshit. I just want to add on to your question because yes, you should answer it. And also because one of the things that I think is really, really interesting about this is like, I live in Eugene, Oregon, and it's a place for old hippies who are very left wingy, um, white liberals. It's a very special group of people. It's a snowflake town, but the people there have always been also protesting things like 5G and uh, anti-vax. And like, I have family members who are left-wing people even who believe the same things as people who are like on this right-wing path too. Mm-hmm. So it's the thing that I always talk about is like how the right-wing and the left-wing actually just like 
end up being a circle and touching tips over here, like their wing tips. Yeah. They're best friends. So in, in some, I just want to make sure that it's also clear that this isn't just evangelical Christians. It's also people who have very dogmatic beliefs that they've accumulated and that like people in their circles also believe too. So this is an affinity issue for people who want to be outside of kind of the mainstream. And that's, mm -hmm. that's just something I think worth considering as we're thinking and talking about this, that it's, it is more than that. And it, it, to me, that's one of the reasons why it is so scary because people on any part of the belief spectrum or like wherever they place themselves kind of in society and politically can be susceptible yeah. to believing yes. conspiracy theories, mm -hmm. especially when we're in a world that is providing us constant disinformation and we're learning stuff from social media and like randos are putting out stuff that they're making up. And so, yeah, I, that's, that's a scenario where we are all living. Um, but yes, please, please give us more information. Well, about <laughs> Lindsay's excellent question. It's, it's super interesting when, when you're talking about like, Perfect. when yeah. you're talking about like adrenochrome and stuff, that is kind of like what you call hard pilled. Like it's just like internet slang again. Um, so when, when I talked to Kathy and I was like, Oh, I know what QAnon is. This is where your friend is getting all of this information. This is why she's talking about pedophilia. This is why she's talking about, uh, 5G radiation and stuff. Um, it's from like Q and he's on HAN and like adrenochrome and mole children and like blah, 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 blah. And like Hillary Clinton's eating babies, like that kind of stuff. Um, and I've always been so hungry for the baby. Yeah, she loves Um, And she was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't know what Q is. I don't know what adrenochrome is. Like, that doesn't apply to me. And like, they couldn't see the connection, even though I explained it in detail. And um, so like, they're not hard pilled. They're not talking about adrenochrome. And the, I think that yeah. the danger is, I mean, and th those people exist and those people are dangerous. Those are the people who were going into the pizza parlor and shooting it up. There was also an arson, mm -hmm. attempted arson on that pizza parlor. Um, and there's a whole slew of like crimes and murders related to QAnon. Um, but they're almost like, they are almost like anecdotal, you know, like often tied to mental illness. Um, there was a guy who had schizophrenia, became convinced that his brother had, uh, was a lizard person and like stabbed mm -hmm. him in the head with a sword and murdered him. Um, and the, there was like a series of women who like tried to kidnap their children out of the foster care system, um, because they thought they were being trafficked by the cabal and like, uh, like stuff like that. Like there was a surfer Christian dad who took his kids to Mexico and <laughs> killed them with a spear gun because he believed they were he believed that they had serpent DNA because of their mother. Um, yeah, the more that this is just in the societal discussion, the more that those incidents are going to happen and they are horrific tragedies. Um, mm -hmm. But again, they are kind of anecdotal. They're kind of individual. They're not like a systemic issue. But then you have January 6th. And most of those people probably did not know who Q was. Most of those people probably did not know what adrenochrome was. But they were storming mm -hmm. the Capitol with thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. And um, soft-pilled um, is the other term. So like they didn't they don't know about adrenochrome, but they are worried about like, there, there could be like a satanic elite. Um, uh, I'm worried about child sex trafficking or, you know, I'm worried about voter fraud. Um, those are all more reasonable sounding. And so yeah. you have this massive movement and the really interesting thing about QAnon and like, when you say QAnon, like it's just completely lost its meaning because right. 
you talk to somebody who is a QAnon believer and they don't know what Q is, you know, but uh, basically just this like milieu of conspiracy theory garbage. Um, there were two major demographics that like really got roped into this right away. And one of them was the white evangelical nationalists, like hook, line and sinker. The statistics are overwhelming on that. Immediately. Um, but the other demographic is the complete opposite. And that was like new age spiritualists and like hardcore yeah. leftists, like exactly what you're talking about. Um, yeah. yep. And it was super confusing because like the evangelicals yeah. hate those guys, um, like, yeah. <laughs> like would not yep. be caught in a room dead with them. And so it's just like, why? Like, that's weird. I read a book called um, Conspirituality. They were all um, new age cult survivors. They had all been in new age cults. And so they really focus on the connection between like new age spirituality and conspiracy theories. Um and that was like the half of QAnon that I was personally not familiar with. You know, like that was not an insight that I necessarily had. I, I know the evangelical stuff, but, um, yeah. and what they said, and I think um, this was like a, this was a big explanation for the connection in their new age cults, you internalized the external and it's a mechanism for like control. And it makes you feel better because like, oh, you're in control of more things. Um, so like, if there was a tsunami in Malaysia, like halfway across the world or something, then their like guru would say like, oh, that was our fault because we did we weren't meditating enough or we didn't like, we weren't like Zen enough. Or like um, they thought that if they could get enough people to like reach a higher enlightenment and like meditate all at the same time, they could like, they could force like world peace. Um, so like it's, it's on them, like from some personal thing it, that they can do if they could just meditate more or meditate better, then like it will change like tsunamis. And so it's really so hard. hard. Okay. We had to go preach the gospel to the entire world and every single person had to hear it. Yeah. Had to have the language. opportunity to hear the it. Yes. To come. So you yeah. all better get out there. If, if you, this ties into prosperity gospel and like dominionism yes. where if you, this prosperity gospel, right. like that's what it is. Yeah. If you if you You're pray sure. more, you'll get more yes. more money, more money, like more blessings. Yes. Like, I always felt like there's so much about um, feeling special. Yeah. Like mm -hmm. we figured out this secret that nobody else. I was telling them last night about. I heard this clip from Sean Boyd, the Bethel <laughs> worship leader. Like, oh, I, I put, oh, I'm right. familiar. Plus, get up, Sean. Get yeah. Get, I I made buttons of hit him with the, oh the i know i messaged you guys about that because i was like i need this <laughs> i was like i need to send them out yeah my get that sean buttons i'm very proud of them but he like when he was doing his like let us worship like from riots to revival tour mm -hmm. kathy went to, to one of those uh, oh yeah cool uh, oh, this cool. is what i have to say to sean boy bye that's what i have to say to him my beyonce nails are still uh but he was saying how, like, the way that he turned it, his lingo, like, talking about them, like, gathering in mass all together, obviously not mass, not vaccinated, whatever. He was, like, talking about it as being, like, weird for the Lord. And he was, like, like getting everyone to be, like, oh, we're so counterculture. We're, like, not normal because we're not wearing a mask. And isn't that cool? And I'm, like, it's Persecution so complex. Yes, the persecution complex with that mm -hmm. one is real strong. Mm -hmm. But just like also, it was so clever how he marketed oh, yeah. it. And just like less of a, like, we're not even going to talk about the medical thing. We're, we're all just like, like, we're just outcasts. Yeah. Like, and then, I mean, it's the Jesus freak. Thing. Yeah. Like, mm -hmm. that, that's the thing. Like, we're freaks, right? Like, we don't fit in. I'm like, whatever. Like, <laughs> as if the Christians, as if Christians in this country are 
the minority well, and or are persecuted. They, 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 that, that's like, that is literally just like a like thought reform cult tactic to get people to feel like they are the victim mm-hmm. in a situation. Um, but there's another book called divided by faith by michael emerson and he he was kind of studying the the separation of like why are there white churches and black churches like why is there such a racial divide in churches in the united states and he did a whole bunch of like polls of like non-religious americans white evangelicals black evangelicals he he found overwhelmingly that when presented with the like racial issues in the United States. Um, Even if you just like ask like white evangelicals, does racism exist? Like, you know, a lot of them will just Uh say like, no, but then um, if you ask them, I was one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and like I said, like my upbringing, like a lot of just like straight up racism, like my, my parents told me that I was not allowed to date um, black people. And at that time, like I wasn't allowed to date at all. So like laugh, but, uh, <laughs> like when they told me that I was probably in like high school or something and it, it took me by surprise. Like I didn't know that we were that racist. And I was just like, uh, it's a little bit too late. Like you, you, you forgot to make us racist. And, uh, yeah. Oh my God. yeah. It's the name. Same. My gramps took me to lunch before I went to college and was like, okay, I just wanted to take you to lunch to tell you not to date any of these people and just rattled off every racial slur and more that I ever heard. And I was like, gramps, I didn't know you were racist. Yeah. Like, why are you waiting until we're like 18 to be having these conversations? Uh, indoctrination works better when we're a little bit younger. But um, yeah, thanks for forgetting to yeah, make but me like, racist. Yeah, thank you, though. <laughs> Um, but in, in the book you asked like white evangelicals, like what is the cause for, um, for any kind of like racial issues in the United States? And overwhelmingly the, the, the statistics said that they believed in like personal issues. Like the, 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 the issues were that like black people were like lazy or something like that. Um, and so their solutions, their proposed solutions were also personal. We just need to be nicer to our neighbors. We need to like, like, I just need to like make a black friend. Um, whereas when you asked like black evangelicals, like what is the cause and what is the proposed solution? They overwhelmingly said that it was like systemic issues, like discrimination and like, you know, generational wealth and things. And so the solutions were based on like actually fixing problems. And so that just like really struck me with the conspirituality thing, where it's just like evangelicals internalize everything. I just need to be, um, a better person. I need to make, be nice to people Mm -hmm. in my life. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, like in my sphere of influence is like what I grew up hearing. Like Mm -hmm. you just, you need to be a light in like your sphere of influence and anything outside of that, like that's in the Lord's hands. You, you know, that's, that's not your responsibility. And so it's, it sounds like you're taking more responsibility, you know, like, oh, I have to be a good person, but actually it's like an, I'm an obfuscation of responsibility because you're not addressing any kind of like systemic issues or anything that would actually make any difference. And so anything in culture or within political systems or within our country. And it makes you special. It it makes, it makes you special. Yeah. Yeah. It makes you important. It comes around and no one actually was kind to their neighbor right. or took any responsibility <laughs> and they were so selfish and didn't care give a shit about it yeah like the the result of hearing that people said that our job is to be nicer to our neighbors is surprising to me in evangelicalism because we were raised on like love the sinner hate the sin but that also just meant don't be friends with people. yeah 
This, this thing that you're saying about the difference of like individualism versus systemic issues mm -hmm. is the major dividing thing, I think, between conservatives and liberals and also like evangelicals and the new age people, right? Like they're like, well, we need to be great and perfect so that we can prevent cataclysmic events from happening upon mm -hmm. the earth, you know? And Christians are like, well, it's my, my personal relationship with Jesus Christ is all that really right. Matters. And so when I'm looking at the world through eyes of like my personal relationship with Jesus Christ is all that matters. And the whole entire old Testament about like the Israelites forming their government and creating their, their religious practice together is now just an allegory for my personal relationship with Jesus yeah. Christ. That is, that is also why it's so dangerous that we've allowed things like we're going to focus on the family. That's not how you build a society. You build a society by creating yes. public policy that is there to support the well-being. So I'd say like general welfare, maybe, of the people. Who don't say welfare. That's about oh, my God. It's in our founding <laughs> documents. A perfect founding father who was inspired by the breath of the Lord himself <laughs> wrote that in whatever. The declaration <laughs> mm -hmm. of something. I don't know. But and his you know, words cannot be questioned. It cannot be questioned. No. I get excited because I'm like, thank you. You're cracking this code out loud. <laughs> like, we do need to talk about it yeah. because that is a reality. When we talked about white supremacy earlier, you were like, and it's not always overt, right? No. White supremacist dialogue hasn't been in the public discourse for a long time until Trump. And then, of course, it came like bounding right back and it made it safe for everyone to be like, oh, yeah, I'm an asshole, too. Like, I actually am totally racist. And I now I get to be that way mm -hmm. because it's OK for me to be because everyone is like, and I it's guess. a part of the religious freedom. Exactly. Things, so. And so they're they're not. Yeah, I mean, I can't go into the cognitive dissonance of all of evangelicalism because I'll like my brain will explode and we'll be here for 10 hours. But yeah, thank you for <laughs> thank you for saying these things. I appreciate it. It's part of how we break the spell. Yeah. Um, and a lot of people are talking about white Christian nationalism now, um, mm -hmm. which is great. And like, that is the problem. And that's what we need to be talking about. And like, this is fascism and like totalitarianism and like, we need like name it. Like, so we know the, what the, yeah. the enemy yeah. is. Um, and a lot of people are talking about the conspiracy theories as a part of that. Um, you know, and when you go on like social media and stuff, even people who are talking about it, usually it just gets written off, especially mm -hmm. by people who were maybe not evangelical um, as, oh, well, they already believed in a bunch of crazy stuff anyway. So this isn't new. Like they already believed in the rapture. They already believed in a talking snake and a talking donkey and like a resurrection. And, like they already believed crazy things. So this is just an extension of that. And that mm -hmm. was not enough for me to have mm -hmm. peace with because it's just like that it's not exactly the same that's not what that's not it's not just like oh they'll just believe anything crazy like you know you don't yeah, have right, evangelicals right. running around believing like not all of them believing in you know aliens and bigfoot and flat earth and like whatever um so it's not like they'll just believe whatever like that that's not an explanation and for me what really helped was studying the history of white evangelical nationalism, white Christian nationalism, mm -hmm. um, um, Jamar Tisby's book. Uh, so basically it, Kathy started talking about 5g radiation. She started talking about voter fraud and like child sex trafficking. And then I was planning a wedding while the pandemic and QAnon was like building up. 
And so I'm trying to learn about what is QAnon as, as people are saying crazy things. And I'm trying to talk them out of it while I don't have like a perfect picture of what's going on. Mm-hmm. And my brother told me that we should just let the week die. Oh. And, um, he was living at home with my parents and none of them were face masking or social distancing. My father has one lung, um, oh is 65 plus years old and is a cancer survivor. So I was like, not good. Um, vulnerable population. Yeah. Right. Hello. My parents were stockpiling hydroxychloroquine and vitamin D oh. because they thought that that would cure them. Um, my other bridesmaids from my hometown, uh, one of them believed in the Wayfair conspiracy theory yeah. that like Wayfair was like shipping children and stuff. And she listened to me when I told her, I was like, no, no, no. Um, she was like, oh, okay. Um, she believed that Oprah Winfrey was like a pedophile from like one video that she had seen. Um, my, and like, when I talked to her, she was like, oh, okay. Like, thank you for explaining. But like, mm. she was just hearing it from everybody in her life. Like people she trusted, her mom, her mother-in-law, mm. her husband, like all these people. I was the only voice in that entire community that was saying no. And that's just not enough for somebody to like really trust. And um, I went to my bridesmaids and I was like, hey, like this is what QAnon is. You're going to start to see it a lot. I don't know why, but it's the evangelicals who are falling for it. Like I want to pre-warn you. Um, and, and then my other bridesmaid was like, oh, I already know all about this. I've already heard all of this. Um, her aunt, who was a woman that I have known my entire life, apparently had gone hard-pilled QAnon could not her adult children and husband could not get her off of the computer like she was like uh, obsessed with like doing her own research and stuff for hours a day and she had told my friend all the hurricanes that hit Florida in 2020 were man-made by Jewish space lasers with the intent of sinking the state of sinking the state of Florida as if that's possible because DeSantis had given them too much freedom and the the Jews didn't like that And so in general, they just were against Florida. Yeah. And so like, I, I it's really muggy there, but like, you don't have to destroy it. I mean, I, I mean, like if we have the Jewish space lasers, like somebody please like push that button. But, um, (laughs) like, like I had, we can get rid of Florida. (laughs) I had barely scratched the surface and I had found the most heinous anti-Semitism um mm. talking about jewish space lasers and they were talking about like the kkk um and and also possibly like nazi germany had like a specific purposeful tactic of spreading insane stories like jewish space lasers because um if you do that enough over the course of years with like enough stories and you just start spitting out like oh the jews are you know sacrificing children to Satan and the Jews are like space lasering things. Um, people are not going to believe it. Like you're not going to believe that Jewish space lasers are real. You're like, Oh, that's crazy. But it's so almost entertaining of like a, a topic that people will talk about it and it will spread. And once it's been in just like that social consciousness for so long, you're start going to start to get this like subconscious fear um, or, you know, wariness of Jewish people or whoever your target is. And that's exactly like how it was with Hillary Clinton when I was voting, you know, I was just like, Oh, I don't know why I'm scared of her, but like a lot of people are talking about it. And yeah. so that like, or George Soros, like those names George Soros, who is Jewish. Dead. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like, but those, it's like, even though I might not know the conspiracies that surround him, I sure know that his name mm-hmm. is involved in some of them, right. That he's yeah. one of those that everyone's afraid of. And he's on all the message boards and, 
George Soros, if you're listening, we would love to have you sponsor. Please fund me. Um, we'll take you yeah, and yeah. Sing. So we're we're <laughs> all four of us are like ready to work with you. Sir. Um, but yeah, so like you know, it it sounds crazy, but it is actually really really dangerous. And so like I talked to my bridesmaid, and I was like, oh my god, and she didn't believe in any of that, and she knew that her aunt was crazy, but she couldn't understand how serious it was, or she just thought it was like, oh, that's that's like you know, I just have like a weird aunt or like, it's not important. It's not tied to anything bigger. And I'm like, no, like it's, it's tied to so much. It's a lot bigger. We timed the wedding at the lowest point of Delta, like right before Omicron took off. So, um, Mm. we thought COVID was getting better at the time we thought that the vaccines were like 98% effective or something. And like 99% of our guests were going to be vaccinated. So we didn't like mandate it or anything. The only people who were not vaccinated was like one table from my hometown. Uh, and I was just like telling people like, don't go over there. And (laughs) <laughs> it's a quarantine yeah that, <laughs> we don't talk to them um like my brother was over there he never got vaccinated and the um my parents my dad has one lung and i was like i cannot in good conscience like have a wedding knowing that there's something we could do that we're not going to do so i basically had to give them an ultimatum which is ridiculous because like you're supposed to be the christian elders who are like leading the moral you know trail and um i was like i I can't throw a party knowing. And I was like, we're not mandating it for like the rest of the guests. You, cause nobody else was over 30. And I was like, you got, you, you need to be vaccinated. And my mom told me, uh, you should just elope. Um, wow. just cancel the wedding. Um, and I was like, no, no. Uh, my dad spent three days talking her into getting vaccinated. And then, and we wow. did actually get to have the wedding. And, um, so, the whole wedding was just like tainted by all of this. And I was just like stressed out that somebody was going to start talking about Jewish space lasers to my in-laws who are normal and are not a part of any of this. (laughs) I should be worried about like the color of the spoons and things, but instead I'm, I'm talking about Jewish space lasers and I'm just like, I'm not okay. And, uh, so we basically just got through the wedding and then I was just trying to like, don't burn every bridge, like don't overreact. Maybe, maybe you're wrong. Maybe you don't understand what's happening. Um, like it cannot possibly be this bad (laughs) (laughs) immediately after the wedding, um, Christmas Eve, um, we're visiting my husband's family and I feel so bad because, uh, his sister had like this new house and they had like a new baby and she was super excited to host Christmas and it was beautiful. And I am having a full blown men TV. And, um, like, just trying not to like let anybody know. Um, <laughs> because I got two text messages like on the 23rd and the 24th, almost verbatim, the same text message from people who do not know each other. One guy from work, one girl from undergrad. And they knew that I knew everything about QAnon and they both texted me like, I'm home for Christmas. My dad is saying some crazy QAnon shit. What do I do? And it hit me like a ton of bricks because I was like, I've been dealing with this for several years and it just felt so supremely unfair that now other people were having to deal with it. Like other people who are like good, nice people and like should not have to be dealing with this shit. And like, it, it wasn't just a, my family problem. It wasn't just a, my hometown problem. Like this is a systemic issue and it's yeah. because they are white evangelicals. It is, it is, it's not just like a coincidence. Like it is because of this. And I had a physical snap. Um, like I almost heard it, um, where I just like deconverted, deconstructed and 
this is a, this is an evangelical problem. There is something wrong with evangelicalism. Yeah. And, yeah. but I didn't know what. And I was like, basically, deeply, like something deeply, deeply, deeply wrong, deep, deeply wrong. Like, well, it's, it's, it's connected to so much horrific, like racism and anti-Semitism and white supremacy and like awful stuff. And, but you look at the history of like the white evangelical church and it's connected to all the same things. And like, um, I didn't know the term ex-evangelical. I didn't know the term deconstruction. I did not know that there were other people like me or that there was an entire, like, you know, people like you. And, um, I was left with nothing and it was like very discon disconcerting. And, um, it was very slowly thanks to TikTok, Um, mm -hmm. I found a couple like ex evangelical influencers and I was like, Oh my God, like, and thank you so much mm -hmm. uh, to all of the people and yourselves, people like you who are doing this. Um, because like from there I found more people and, um, I had been like childhood indoctrinated from birth into evangelicalism, private Christian schools and stuff had not been taught real history. I have a STEM right. degree. All right. And so like my parents, yeah. my parents have said, like, if we had to do it over again, we would not send you to that school um, because I've been brainwashed by liberal higher right. education. And I was like, bitch, calculus does not make you gay. All right. I, like, <laughs> I have a, I have an engineering have degree. Math. Like I, <laughs> like I'm good at math. Okay. I had, <laughs> I had, I had no base of like what is psychology, sociology, history, like none of this. And, um, what really was kind of like, a, a, a huge aha moment, the core of like where I'm at now, the why is eventually I found books uh, talking about cults. And um, basically like, it totally depends on how you define the terms because most people or a lot of experts, like don't even like to talk about cults because it's been so socially stigmatized. Um, and it has lost its meaning, but you know, yeah. just for my purposes, I'll explain what I mean when I say these words. Um, a definition of a cult, like a traditional destructive cult, like what you think of when you think of like Jonestown or Heaven's Gate mm -hmm. or the FLDS, um, a charismatic leader, a transcendent belief system, a system of influence and a system of control. And basically they, nobody like joins a cult. Nobody like goes seeking a cult. Cults recruit and they basically kind of trick you. The core principle of a cult is deception. Um, you don't know what you're signing up for or you, or like, you know, like the surface level, but you don't know like what the higher levels are going to be like. And so they basically trick you into joining these groups. Um, they get you to adopt their totalistic ideology by using thought reform. So Robert J. Lifton has eight characteristics of thought reform. This is basically how you manipulate people into adopting a totalistic ideology. And so um, some of those would be like loading, loading the language. So evangelicals, you know, we speak to Corinthians. That's like evangelical language, loading the language. Um, you know, the Lord has really like placed this on my heart or, um, you know, walking in sin, like just these like Christianese terms. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it, we, we, we joke a we, lot. Yeah, with, they, we, last night we were talking about being in fellowship. <laughs> <laughs> we're in fellowship right now. Um, um, yeah. So like loading the language is a big one. Um, and there's a book called cultish by Amanda Montel. She's like, she's a, a linguist. So she's, she really just focuses on that one, which is fascinating. Scientology is huge for just loading the language. Um, and yeah. then like mystic manipulation. So like faking miracles and things. Um, and, and there's eight of them. I'm not going to go through all of them. 
the gold dust falling and the feathers, angel feathers falling from the ceiling at Bethel. Church. Oh, oh my God. I have, I've no, not heard about that one. just part of the program. Yeah. It's part of the program. Not God. Yeah. Um, God is just shooting gold dust at me. I don't know why. <laughs> uh, yeah. Maybe, Thanks, God. Yeah. It's just like glitter and feathers coming from the ceiling. Mine works in glitter, so. Oh my God. Um. Yeah, but basically they use the eight characteristics of thought reform to manipulate you into adopting a totalistic ideology. And then they center that totalistic ideology on their charismatic leader. And so like that's where you're going to funnel all of your like adoration and like finances and like labor and like all this stuff for the leader. And a totalistic ideology um, is like an absolutist worldview. And that's the word that like, like lunged at me because I was raised with that language of a, the private Christian school that I went to advertised um, instilling a biblical worldview, a Christian worldview. It's all over all of their stuff. And they're literally just advertising that they will indoctrinate your children into a totalistic ideology for you because you don't have the resources or the time to homeschool them, which is the proper way to do it. And Correct. <laughs> yeah. Yes. We literally, me and Lindsay. <laughs> yeah. We were homeschooled. We did it right. Yeah. Very homeschooled. Very everyone I, homeschooled. everyone I knew was homeschooled. We learned how to think for ourselves. So that's the problem. Yeah. That's the problem with homeschool. And um, so basically, they get you to adopt this totalistic ideology, which is like basically they have the absolute answer for everything. And this is extremely appealing because certainty is appealing. Um, you yeah. have the answers. Yeah. You don't have, it's the opposite of fear. And You don't have to have a charismatic leader or to be, to be in a cult, to have a totalistic ideology. So, you know, from these definitions, I would not say that like white evangelical nationalism is a cult because, you know, IBLP is a cult because you have Bill Gothard as the central figure and stuff, but evangelicalism is much more of a totalistic ideology. It's like something a lot more difficult to define and to pin down. Um, but it is an absolute worldview. And when you have an absolute mm-hmm. worldview like that in a cult or out of a cult, um, it produces what Robert J. Lipton called personal closure and what Yanya Lalich called bounded choice. And basically, um, I like to use the quote from Sir Arthur Cannon Doyle, who the guy who wrote Sherlock Holmes. He said, once you have eliminated all of the impossible options, whatever's left, however improbable, must be the truth. But when you have a totalistic ideology, you remove part of reality as no longer possible. That's impossible. Right. So whatever is left must be the truth. Those are your bounded choices. And so... Mm-hmm. um the majority of Americans not wanting to live in a homophobic, like misogynistic theocracy is not one of the bounded choices. Whatever's left Jewish space lasers and a satanic cabal are just improbable, not impossible. And so now that's where you get the conspiracy theories and things because conspiracy theories are just a way of explaining phenomenon and events through a totalistic perspective. And so if you're in one of these totalistic ideologies, it's essentially you inevitable it's hand in hand with conspiracy theories because you look at current events you look at like political things and you have the totalistic perspective of uh the rapture and the antichrist and stuff Mm -hmm. and so you're going to explain these things with that preconceived bias um do you guys know what the protocols of the elders of zion is yeah. yeah. No. Okay. Tell us so our listeners yes. also know. Because it also is like deeply yeah, connected to QAnon. Also, like that one goes into the ancient aliens kind of shit. It's it's okay, in every major on. conspiracy theory. Any conspiracy theory yeah. where there's a global cabal of satanic elites, that is essentially just like um plagiarized from the protocols of the elders of Zion. 
I'm going to say right now, I'm maybe I need to put this at the beginning of the episode. I really feel like we need to create a drinking game for this episode <laughs> yes. or a bingo card. Because I, I also think that like every time we say like global cabal, like that, it's like drink, take a drink. Dangerous game. But, but it all comes back. It all comes back to the global yeah. cabal. So take a drink. Um, yeah. <laughs> Make it fun because the whole point of this and the worst part of it is that it's not that we're just laughing about conspiracy theories, like you have said. It's that we're saying, hey, normies out there who weren't raised evangelical, this is real. Like, this is a real thing yeah. with a lot of money attached to it and a lot of people being true believers. And it keeps gaining momentum. And there are militias and factions yeah. of people who are white Christian nationalists. And I'd say white nationalism and Christian nationalism are pretty interchangeable, frankly. So like they kind of mean the same yeah. thing to me, except for one insists on a theocracy. But, you know, I just, it, this is why it's important is because right. it right. is dangerous and it's real. And, and they're now holding political pretend. power. They hold yeah. political power. We can't pretend like it's not a problem. Like, so and keep we going, going though. Let's do the fun part. Yeah, I feel like during the QAnon COVID time, there were some, there was an opportunity where we could kind of like you did, like kind of pull and save a few people here and there. But now it's just like fast forwarded into this, like, it's just a belief system that's now like, there's no questioning. Well, and we're going into, in a, a, yeah. next year is going to be an election and Donald Trump is probably going to fucking run if he doesn't mm. go to prison. And I really Even if he does go to prison. Not going to go to prison. Not in time. Right. They don't. They don't care. That's the thing. I'm at the. Yeah. They literally don't care True. what yeah. he does. They will vote for him, no matter what. And it and it feels like these people are a lost cause. And that's what I want. Are they a lost cause? Do we go for the maybe the more moderate? Like, are the QAnon people? Are they just gone to us? Like, that, yeah. that's the thing that I'm so. It, it feels really overwhelming mm -hmm. when you think about it. Like, it's easy to laugh at these conspiracy theories, but it's like really fucking sad. Yeah, yeah. it's when, horrible. It's heartbreaking. And the amount of people that suffer because if, if Donald Trump comes to power again, the the number of black and brown people in our country and women that, and women like that suffer that are suffering right because of the Supreme Court justices that he institute like all of these things. It's easy to laugh it off, but it is. Ruining the real people's lives. There's real, real consequences. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, and the shifts I mean, this in our is culture. how fascism takes hold as well. Is when people become so dogmatic and unable to make sense of the world outside of their very, very pinhole, tiny view worldview, if you will, um, because that makes it so none of our shares sharing any kind of agreed upon reality. So nothing. I. I don't have any answers to any of this. And like, I am not like a psychiatrist or a psychologist or really anything useful. Um, but like, nuclear engineer. Yeah. This is all, this is my lived experience. If, you know, a, like if somebody like lost their mom to QAnon, like that is horrific. Um, yeah. I lost everyone. Um, and I have not successfully been able to pull anybody out of it. Like I tried and like, I've tried different tactics and things. And like, now I'm writing a book about it. And like, basically I've kind of gone like loosely no contact with pretty much everybody. Um, because like I tried and it, it was just, it wasn't going anywhere and I needed to take a step back and figure out what was going on for myself. Um, and I don't know what the right answer is. There is no easy answer. There's no quick solution. Mm -hmm. Um, it essentially is 
a cult mentality. Like you were talking about people who have logic somebody out of those belief systems. Um, yeah. And that's what I initially tried to do. I was like, oh, this is what QAnon is. Yeah. This is why this is all this stuff. Here's information. If I just give you the information, you'll be able to like, you know, step out of that. And that did not work overwhelmingly. Um, yeah. I think it helps a little mm-hmm. bit, but um, you can't. Works for some people. If they're not like already in of. it, I think. But you can't like, necessarily logic anybody out of it you can't call them a dumbass Mm -hmm. you basically just want to ask slow probing questions over the course of like months or years and that's what i'm saying like it's not quick it's not going to be easy like you're probably not going to be able to force somebody into a snap like i had um and you have to make them think for themselves like you can't lecture them you just have to like if they bring something up like maybe offer like just ask a probing question and then like if you can stay in their life long enough if they do start to question anything, like you're still there, like they know that there is somebody that mm-hmm. they can talk to. But the, the, the issue with this is that like, we're not dealing with like one person. Right. That's kind of like what they talk about when you, you have like a brother who joined a cult, you know, like he's in the Moonies or something like, right. what do you do? Um, it's kind of like how you deal with addiction yeah. as well. You know, it's like, you can't force someone to not be an alcoholic. Like if they don't want help, they don't want help until right. they realize they need it. You know, like that's yeah. just, again, it's denial. It's the same thing. But, um, but it's not like you have one person, it's everyone and right. you're the one person. Right. And so that's, that's a very difficult yeah. situation to be in. How do you be like, I'm hosting an intervention by yeah, myself. No, literally. <laughs> that's like what my book is. And basically, like literally, yeah. um, the, the hard thing is that like, if you're in a situation like that. I think that it's perfectly valid to go no contact. If you want to maintain that relationship, you have to make the accommodations. You have to be the bigger person. You have to be patient and like, like just listen to like, just hateful, like listen to the shit and everything. And like, that is way too much for normal people. And, and it's so, it's so, uh, what's the word? Vitriolic. It's never ending. Yeah. And there's like no, so, I used this analogy the other day and I was like, oh my God, that's like exactly what it's like is, did you guys see the movie Bird Box? It was like this movie where there were these like aliens or something that like showed up. And then like, if you saw them, like if you just looked at them, you would go crazy and then like become suicidal. And so everybody like stayed inside and like had their windows like blocked up and stuff. And, um, basically I feel like I've just been stuck in the moment of like staring at the monster. I think that we need to address the underlying beliefs to the totalistic ideology of white evangelical nationalism. Like if you are having an argument about Jewish space lasers or microchips or the mark of the beast, or like any of these like high level conspiracy theories, you've already lost. Like it's like if, even Mm -hmm. if you get them to admit that like, that's not true, they'll just replace it with something else because the foundation is still there. And for me, what I thought like the foundation of, white evangelical nationalism was and what I deconstructed from with all the reading that I did was um, American exceptionalism and biblical inerrancy. And American exceptionalism was the easier of the two because it's not supposed to be a religious belief. It's just like uh, you don't know history well. Um, People definitely make it a religious belief. And like there's people walking around with like pocket Bibles and pocket constitutions and stuff. It's like very creepy. But um, like 
you can just read quotes from the founding fathers who literally said like, this country was not founded on Judeo-Christian principles. Um, or like some of them have like very scathing things to say about yeah. uh, like the, you know, separation of church and state and things. Thomas Jefferson, like he put the separation of church and state into like, I don't know, the, the constitution for the state of Virginia or something. He was so proud of the separation of church and state thing that he put it on his tombstone. Um, like of all the yeah. things that he did, the separation of church and state was like the biggest one. And so, and when you start looking at the American exceptionalism, like that's really built on this idea that like we are founded on Judeo-Christian principles, that we are God's chosen country, the greatest country on earth, and that we are blessed, and this is very prosperity gospel, um, blessed by God um, because of our Judeo-Christian roots, and that we have unprecedented mm -hmm. um, freedom and prosperity because of this. And if you just look at the littlest bit of American history, uh, we are not super free. We are, we are literally built on like slavery and then like segregation and like, uh, murdering every the native American, like boarding schools and murders. History of immigration policies in this country. Insane. Okay. But the biblical inerrancy is much harder. And like, that's yeah. something that like most people are probably not going to let go of, um, uh, because that is like the heart of their entire religion. And if you take away biblical inerrancy, yeah. then you've essentially like forced them into deconstruct, not forced them, but they have deconstructed. And then they're left in like that, that, that blank space that like I mm. went through and most people are, and then you have a lot of questions. yeah, yeah. People are black and white, yeah. you know, I'm a black and white thinker. And I think biblical inerrancy was one of the last times yeah. to fall for me because like, yeah, if you take one thing, if you pull out that string, it gets really scary. And I saw, I mean, it was funny. I saw a thing on Instagram the other day that said something about like, basically like 2000 years from now, when you're trying to like translate language or whatever, understand I, what I saw this. Was saying, like the, the meaning between, yeah, between uh, butt dial <laughs> and booty hole. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, it's such a funny way That's to, great. because they're such different things, right? But the words are incredibly mm -hmm. similar. And so it's like, that's why we're trying to understand this document that was written by dudes, human yeah. people who make mistakes and say some and wild shit. They frankly. were just making things up as they went, which is all anyone's ever doing. Yeah, the revelation, way. like, he was on drugs, right? Like, <laughs> it's just like, what's he on when he wrote that? The other, like, when I broke from uh, biblical inerrancy, um, the, the book that yeah. really helped me was um, How the Bible Actually Works by Pete Enns. Um, and so, like, okay, so maybe if it's not like the absolute and totally non-contradictory, like word of God that, you know, has all of the answers for every situation ever, then what is it? And like, you know, you can't just like walk away without like filling that space with something. And so this, like that book really ex like explained that yeah. like, you can still have some value out of it. And, you know, I don't know if there is like a, a right answer, but I think that for me, I just want to... The, the, have those conversations and focus them on what I think the roots are. Um, I would just encourage anybody that like, to the extent that you can keep these people in your life, you know, like preserve your peace in your life first. That's totally valid. Um, but to the extent that you can still, you know, try to ask these probing questions. Like, yeah, it's easy to think of people as lost causes. And sometimes it's interesting, and I'm not on Facebook very much anymore, but especially in the thick of things and when people are posting pandemic, honestly, a lot of my thought is, I'm probably not going to change this person's mind. But if someone is on the fence and they're like reading through those comments, I just want, I, yeah. and I also want people, I don't want you to be able to post that bullshit without any pushback. Yeah. It's 
it's just gross. And especially when it comes to like blatant racism, yeah. like that's just, you guys have to call that. We've talked about that in other episodes with like trans issues. Like you, you have to call that out in people in your circles. You're not going to win every argument. You might not even change minds, but I think for the people in your life who are vulnerable mm-hmm. and who are hurting, it matters. And then they, they could, they could see you. like, you know, who maybe they could talk to if they did have an issue, if they see what you're speaking up for. Um, um, yes, we're talking about individuals. We're like talking about how can we relate to family members, friends, et cetera, staying in their lives if we can. If not, that's okay too. I, you also kind of touched on how that's the individual level and that we also have the systemic level. And so I think to me, there are a lot of ways that people choose to engage with individuals in their lives and that's cool. I think for myself, I also really do believe that the systemic issues are not easier to tackle, but more important for us Mm -hmm. to tackle even. And also for us to be able to take the lid off of this very real fomenting white nationalism, Mm -hmm. Christian nationalism that is happening and unfolding constantly everywhere across this country in every state. Like it's not, it's not an isolated movement. So how do we want to move forward as a nation? Like how do we gather the people who know that they're not interested in living in a world where people don't have bodily autonomy, that they don't have access to clean food, water, shelter, like, what do we want to do instead? And Christian nationalism is insidious and it's there and they have allies with white supremacists and, and so forth. And also we live in a society that is built with white supremacy in its entire DNA with all of, you know, all the things I always talk about, all the isms and archies mm-hmm. and shit. But like this, this is our opportunity to also make a movement just as strong and powerful in a different direction. Because Christian nationalists have been organizing and being under the radar and training their children up in the way they should go. And a lot of them do stay there. Some of us accidentally are like, oh, wait, what? And we hear that cognitive dissonance and need to resolve it for ourselves. And we do that work. I'm really interested in the people who are wanting to do that work. Like the people that I'm interested in are my bye curious friends who are interested in leaving the evangelical church and like escaping their kind of thought control worldview, like tiny universe of everything needs to be this way because of whatever, because of what I said. And so I think we need to actually start again, like working civically, it is we do have systems and structures that are built into our political system that are accessible to people more than we think. And so it isn't necessarily just dependent on our individual conversations with people. And there are some people that we have to love in a different way. Like I love my mom. And I talk some shit about her on this podcast, because she's very deeply indoctrinated and like in that world forever. Like I, my example is always when I was 23, I think I was like, mom, did you know about sweatshops and talking about like sweatshops and stuff? And she's like, well, where else would they work? And I'm like, wow. Okay. So we're not going to be in the same universe. I don't know what this is, but I'm going to Mm -hmm. just know that she's not a person that I'm going to budge. She's just not, she can't. 
my dad could, you know, we talked about a lot of stuff and then he secretly voted for Obama and told me never to tell oh. him, but now you all know it, oh, but so I'm just kidding. She knows, that. she knows, she knows. But the, but the thing is like, I think we do have more power than we think we do. And I'm not saying cut and run and like ditch people and whatever, but I also like for me, the less I spend time with people who are still in that level of self-delusion, I don't know what it is. Just the ability to be in their reality without having it ever chipped away at. Mm -hmm. It's exhausting. It's yeah. exhausting. Oh. And it's not worth it no. to me. I, it's, I love my mom. I want to be able to like, you know, at Christmas, oh. she'll come over and usually disappear and like call someone else or whatever. But, you know, she's around. <laughs> she loves my kids. She's like, she wants to be in my family. Like we're family. But also we're not friends. And that's okay. Like I don't need to be. I know I'm not going to be convincing my mom. So when I spend my energy, I want to spend my energy on working with systems that I know we can pull levers mm -hmm. in. I want to spend my energy on talking with the people who are like, I'm starting to think this is kind of fucked up. Mm -hmm. Like, what am I going to do now? Oh, I accidentally had one question about my political beliefs. And now I'm like, hold that thread. Maybe <laughs> gonna be yeah, hold the thread. I'm like, let's find the threads. Let's pull the threads together, people. Like, we can do that. We don't have to just roll over and be like, well, fascism's going to take over yeah. everything because of Christian nationalism. Like, it doesn't have to be that way. We just have to know that it's a real mm -hmm. thing and it's a threat and it's not funny. It's real. And we don't need to keep just acting like it's okay for people to have these wild, like, completely unhinged from reality yeah. things going on because it does make it impossible for truth to have any traction because people don't have truth. And I don't believe in absolute mm. truth in that way that like we did as Christians, but there are things that are true. Like there like, are like values. the earth is round. That's true. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's it's a globe. <laughs> there are things that we can demonstrate, but if people don't agree on, you know, the Bible is inerrant truth and that's what we're basing all reality on. Like that's those people who do need that. They can do their thing. I don't care, except yeah. that I care when it starts to become a problem for all of society and for especially the people who we've constantly trampled down. Black people we stole from their country and brought here and enslaved for hundreds of years. Yeah. Like they're still oppressed because we've never addressed like the systemic issues that allow that to continue on. We've never made reparations. We have forced all of the Native Americans onto tiny reservations, under-resourced them, don't care about protecting their access to clean air and water. Like we are not doing good things in the name of God. So if you are still an evangelical Christian and you're listening to this and you think I'm a jerk, like... I just need you to know that the way you're representing your precious relationship with Jesus Christ, your personal savior is fucking wrong. Okay. Like you're okay. just wrong and you need to stop <laughs> imposing your white supremacist fascist requirements yeah. on everyone else in the country. Because if I remember my Christian commitment very well, it was that. Jesus really cared about the state of my heart and my relationship with him. Not about, can you please go out and make it harder for black and brown people to survive in the world? Could you please make sure that every gay person hates themselves and has no rights and that trans isn't even a thing because we're like making it invisible and, and 
basically erasing yeah. that. Like we we need y'all still Christian people to like act like fucking Christians, maybe. Like try it. Just try for a minute and think about what would Jesus do? I don't know if like maybe something helpful would be like a bracelet. <laughs> and you could just like, don't, what would Jesus do is sort of long for a bracelet. So like maybe it's WWJD. Brilliant. And like actually look it up and read some gospels and like learn about actual Jesus. I think you so. idiots. I think oh my so. God, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to call you idiots, but I'm pissed off and you need to stop it. Stop well, it. I feel like Sarai mm. just mansplained WWJD. And I'm like, Amazing. I am bringing it. I'm That's gonna, our merch yeah. store now. Yeah. So, I mean, just for anybody who lost important loved family members or friends to these conspiracy theories and things. I just want them to know like why I am here is that like that you're not alone, that things are as bad as you probably think that they are. They're probably much worse than you think that they are. Um, And that this is happening on a very serious, like grand scale, like a macroscopic scale. This has very serious implications um, politically and like historically and, uh, you know, sociologically. So um, not to be like a super scary Debbie Downer, but like, you know, these things are real and they are serious. Um, And um, I have a website taking off the tinfoil hat.com where you can see all of the books that I have read since uh, deconstruction. Um, And they're like categorized. So like, if you have questions about, um, you know, LGBTQ and biblical inerrancy or uh, conspiracy theories or cults or the history of Christian nationalism. Um, They're broken down like by categories like that. Um, And um, my social medias are also linked there. So I'm on Instagram at taking off the tinfoil hat. There's a period in between each word. Um, And then I'm also on TikTok a little bit at taking off the tinfoil hat. Thank you so much for coming on today and i do feel like we might need to revisit this again yeah. especially going into next year and all yeah. of that as we yeah. wait for this yeah. to unfold and here's the thing i want to just end on like being anti-fascist it's, it's not like a weird thing you need to be afraid of we should all be anti-fascist we and should, like we we are against fascism <laughs> and it's not a scary thing i am a card carrying member okay of <laughs> y'all should be too so like going this next year like we gotta put back against that we're so glad you joined us. And if you like what we're doing, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or you can become a patron at patreon.com slash holy ghosting. You can find us everywhere at holy ghosting or holy ghosting pod. Come and interact with us. Find us on Facebook. Find us on TikTok. And please come and subscribe. Your rating and reviewing helps other people find us. And we just appreciate the opportunity to have conversations like this to expose our values um, and how we've changed since coming out of evangelicalism. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next time, ghosties. Bye. That was really good. You're really good at that. (laughs) She's peaceful. We just let her do that part. We're like, thank you. Good job. (laughs) Holy Ghosting is a same team media production. Music by Weep Bar. AP Weber produced the show. 